from the Ticats Audio Network. This is Ticats Today with Louie Butko. Yes, it is. Ticats Day for a Friday, November the 11th, Remembrance Day, as we remember those who gave the ultimate sacrifice for protecting our freedom uh, here on Remembrance Day and on Ticats Today. And uh, thanks for joining us on the Ticats Audio Network. And uh, all week I have been very coy in uh, what has been going on here on the show. Uh, I've kind of been teasing that this is going to be the last episode, uh, but uh, after a couple of conversations, uh, you know, I think there's still more to talk about. And, uh, you know, I thought we were going to get CFL All-Star announcements. And, of course, I want you to hear from uh, those guys who, who will probably, maybe, hopefully be named CFL All-Stars. So uh, we don't have that news yet. It's Friday afternoon. So, you know, let's come back next week. We can set up the Grey Cup. And I'm sure there's lots of news that's going to come out of Grey Cup week as well. So we're coming back. So I, I know I've been teasing that this is the last show and, and we're closing the book, but uh, not quite. Uh, we'll be back next week with uh, brand new episodes here of Ty Cats today. And uh, appreciate your support and uh, and for listening to this one and all season long. And hopefully you'll continue to listen. Uh, coming up on today's show, in fact, right now, very pleased to be joined by uh, Mike Daly, who is the uh, only person in the Ty Cats Audio Network history uh to dress at least in practice after signing with the team uh, a few weeks ago and now again a Ticats audio network analyst and uh mike i mean take us through the last few weeks uh what, what what's this experience been like for you uh honestly chaos it was absolute <laughs> chaos those last the uh, whatever it was the last two weeks um like as drew had called me you know two weeks ago midweek and was like, Hey, are you looking to do this? Said, yeah, let's do it. Like I told you. Um, but honestly, I, I didn't realize how much time it would take because I knew the practice schedule. I knew all that kind of stuff. Uh, but it was my job outside of that. So having to go right from there, going to Drew Alamang's office to, uh, to do some of my sales calls or whatever it might be. And then if it was busy, um, doing that, I'd be at the stadium until about five o'clock and then have to drive and go coach at Laurier because I was still doing that. So it was chaos for a little bit, but it was it was so much fun, man. It was fun to be back. It was fun to be out there on the field. Um, you know, it was like I hadn't left some of the guys that I had, you know, had good relationships with before. As soon as I stepped in, it was kind of it felt like I'd been there all year. So um, it, it was fun in that aspect. Busy, but uh, definitely fun and, and enjoyable. Uh, you know, I, I know it was worth it for you. Cause I, I was down there a couple of times where, where Sam brought the kids and, and I know you and I talked about it before, but, but what, what, what was that experience like getting, getting to see those guys go on the field and, and just, you know, them being at an age where, you know, at least they'll have these memories of, of seeing dad, uh, you know, lace them up. Yeah. And, and, you know, we had talked about it before, but I guess what I didn't realize is that, you know, before when I'd bring them on the field during the whole COVID thing, I'd bring them out there. Um, but they were too young. Like my oldest was three at the time. So he didn't really remember all that much, but now since they've been on the field, um, that's all they've really talked about. So anytime they see me wearing like, you know, like a, something yeah. tie cats or, or they have like, they'll see a picture. Cause uh, Bob was out there, our, tie, our photographer, yeah. and he took awesome photos that we didn't even know. So I have all those, which is cool memories to show them, but they've been talking about that since. And yeah. um, you know, that's, for the season not going the way we wanted it to and everything, you know, when you take a 30,000 foot view at it, it's like, that was pretty cool to be able to get that when, you know, they'll be able to remember. 
Yeah. And uh, like I said, with, with the craziness going on with Laurier and the tough loss last week, but uh, you know, I, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure Sam deserves a lot of credit at home for, for keeping the peace uh, for a little craziness over the last few weeks. So let's, uh, let's go into the locker room. What did you learn about this team? I mean, you had obviously followed it pretty close, but, but being in there, what, what were your main takeaways? Yeah, it's, um, you know, that was the first thing that I wasn't sure what it was going to feel like when you're going back in there. Like I said, it was, it's fairly normal. Same leaders were still there, all that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, I heard Coach O and kind of everybody really say this after the game. And what we talked about is there was this belief in the team. And maybe that's because it was, you know, it was such a hot streak at the end of the season. It's just really too bad it didn't work out. But there was this belief in the in the team where it was like, you know, we talked about that last field goal. And we were like, we, everybody still believed that we would block that last field goal. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so – that that was throughout the entire locker room. Um, what was the tough part was, you know, it, it was because it was such an up and down season. Um, from what I've been he- hearing, it's it's very hard to be in such a good mood and such a good mindset that entire season, right? So when you're you know you're in the dumps and it's not going well, to pull yourself back out, um, it's really hard to get over that mindset of oh no, are we getting back into this again and you know, at the end of the season, when, when I came in, you didn't really see that at all. So I think the best part about that team is that there was that belief at the end because they were doing so well. Um, but really, you know, when it comes down to it, it's just a couple execution errors that really ended up being that that Montreal final, right? And, I, you know, I it always comes back to it takes two – it takes a team to win, it takes a team to lose. Like, let's let's not completely discount the fact that Montreal was a good team they played well defensively. They made the better adjustments. Well, I mean, you can make the argument the Ticats made the better adjustments in the second half. Again, like you said, maybe just execution. To Back to that belief. That has to start, though, with a sense of calmness almost, like where guys aren't going at each other, where, you know, we talked about this with Luke earlier this week, where, you know, you've been in rooms, you can be in rooms because there are so many people in the locker room. And, you know, if the defense is playing really well and, and another unit's not, it could be easy to get on each other. This team never did, or at least that's what we got the sense of. What was the key to that in your perspective of maintaining the peace for the most part and making sure that this unit stays a unit? Yeah, I think it was, you know, you got to go back to the leadership portion. So that's in, including Coach O, that's including Butler, Mark Washington, Tommy Condell. Like those names, those guys, they've been around for a long time. So they've been through those experiences where, you know, it's not going well and then it's going well. and They've been through that. So if if your leaders and the people at the top are, are staying calm like they were, everybody kind of follows suit like, oh, okay, maybe it's really not as bad as we think. You know what I mean? Maybe these losing streak isn't as bad as we think. And then when it gets hot, when it's like, okay, we got to keep focusing, keep, you know, next play that we talk about. Then it's one of those things like, okay, can't get too high, right? I think where – there was a little disconnect is with a lot of the the new players. It just takes some time for them to get used to the, you know, the Ted Laurent's and the Simone's, what mm-hmm. they know about the long seasons, about the playoffs, and just kind of how to practice and really being able to, you know, focus and, and keep guys prepared practicing-wise. And it's, it's that thing you always hear where it's be, a, you know, be an all-star in your role. And I think that's with some of the young guys where they'll just learn that as it goes along and, and that was kind of a theme is that there was some all-stars in their role. And then there's some guys still trying to figure that out. 
one of those all-stars, I mean, Micah Johnson was fantastic, but Jovan Santos Knox really up the middle. You can go, you know, the guys up the middle with, with Micah, Jovan and Tunde, but a lot of guys I've talked to have, you know, praised what Jovan was able to do as a leader this year, you being there, you having a front row seat in the meeting rooms on the field. What did you take away from, from him and, and how was he maybe different than, than what you saw last year? Yeah, I wouldn't say there's much different with him. I mean, he he is as consistent as a player as there is, right? And, you know, you see it when you watch – well, you actually don't see it when you watch the game, but it's just like, oh, good tag, gain of one. And you're like, oh, there's Jovan again. And then another one, oh, gain of, you know, one or two. Off, or, oh, there's Jovan again. He's just consistently making these tackles that they don't flash yeah. too much at any point, but he just – so he's consistent at doing it. I think where – there was a little bit of growth that I saw was just that he has a little more hold of the defense. So last year came in, that's a tough thing to do, especially Mark Washington's defense where there's a lot of, you know, player accountability in terms of getting people set up and, and in the correct spot. Joe Vaughn's just that one step in. So really once you get more and more comfortable with somebody's defense, then it's, you know, you're almost playing without thinking at that point. So I think that was the big change for Joe Vaughn because you really saw him being comfortable out there. Uh, Ted mentioned this too. He was proud of himself for, for being more vocal this year as a leader. And and he said, you know, coach had challenged him. Teddy's always been a, a quiet guy. You've been around him a lot. Was that something you noticed? Was that, did that stand out to you? Cause there were even times I saw, you know, when K Okafor switched back over or switched to the D line, you know, I saw a lot of one-on-one with Teddy's. I, what did you see firsthand from again, a veteran guy, someone, you know, this season in that, that limited time you were with him. Yeah, Ted, I mean, <laughs> like you said, Ted is a man of very, very few words. and uh, But he is very good with the young guys, right? They have, you know, every position group has their meeting rooms and stuff like that. And once you kind of dwindle that down to just the defensive meeting room, he's as vocal as it comes, right? You won't see it on the field. You won't see it, you know, kind of in the big team setting or anything like that. But when it comes down to that that small room, him and, and Dylan Wynn are about as vocal as they can be. Now, I know when you look at it from the outside, Dylan Wynn and Teddy Laurent are completely opposite people, right? But once you narrow it down in that D-line group, Ted is a wealth of knowledge, obviously. And honestly, you could see him just the the re-energization because, you know, he got a lot of second down reps um, that he didn't get last year. And you could see him being an impact player on the pass. So it was cool to see Ted, you know, a little re-energized, but also just being the same old head that he was. And and rising to the moment, really. Because when Dylan went down, he did have to step up and he did have to start. And, and he looked mm-hmm. like Ted that we've seen, the Ted we've known and the Ted that we've consistently seen. Um, what What was it like for you coaching and playing at the same time? Like, what was that? Like, how were you in your head? And I know that the, the, the Ticats brought you on for some leadership too. So what was that like that, you know, in the morning, you'd be listening to orders. You'd be getting yelled at by your coaches. And then in the afternoons, you'd be flipping it and, and doing the opposite. Yeah, I would just take out yeah. whatever was yelled at me on the players. What, what was that thing but said to me that really stuck yeah. with me, that really hurt? Like, yeah. I want to do that to one of my players later. <laughs> Honestly, it was um... – what was cool about it was that all the players, once they caught wind that I was going to go play again, um, they were pretty jacked up for me, obviously. Yeah. Um, 
the only thing that really changed because we were in playoff mode ourselves at Laurier, right? Yeah. So I wanted to make sure that none of this was taking focus off of them and their prep. But the one thing that did change is I used to race them in between each drill. So we would go from like yeah. individual drill to skelly. And as soon as the whistle would blow, I'd take off and try to race every one of them there. As soon as I signed, I was like, okay, can't risk a hamstring pull. Can't risk any of that kind of stuff. So yeah. the whistle would blow. And for the first week, they didn't know that I was going to resign or anything like that until yeah. it came out. Um, so I would take off or I, they would all take off and I'd just be jogging. I'd be like, ah, I'm going to take it easy this week. <laughs> so that was really the only thing that. Changed. Yeah, that's great. That's great, man. Um, what did that motivate you to, you know, obviously signing late. Are you, you want to get back out there? Don't you? I, I, I can see you putting in an effort to, to hit the field next year. Um, I, I can always play. I, at least in my mind, I can always play. If they, I told you this initially, or maybe it was Milt that I told this to, but he was like, are you, are you ready to go right now? I'm, yeah, absolutely. I'm always ready to go. I'll always stay in shape. Uh, if somebody needs me for sure, I don't think I can do that chaos for an entire season. <laughs> I, number one, I'd be sleeping on a couch somewhere outside. I'd imagine <laughs> I'd get kicked out. Um, probably, probably lose my job, whatever it might be. <laughs> Uh, but can't do that chaos for an entire right. season. If it's that playoff run, sure, always. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that chaos was that's too long for an entire season. Let's go back to the bigger picture of the the twenty twenty two Tie Cat season. I mean, turnovers is going to be the story that at the end of the day we'll we'll remember that minus twenty three, minus twenty four turnover ratio. You can't expect to win games. But but what impressed you about this season? overall what what did you take away and I I know your perspective may have changed on a few things being in the room but you know generally what what do you think other than turnovers we're going to look back on this season and think well you know what could have been yeah I mean you know the turnovers were a lot of that negative 23 or whatever that you hear that's that's kind of the beginning part of the season I think what I'll end up taking away from you know this season is that at the end with the them doing so well they were in the positives, right? The tie cats, they were in the positives, um, doing well in that turnover category. I think the tough part was, was Dane just trying to find himself again a little bit. Right. And you saw it happen at the end and he'll even be open and, and admit that, that early on just didn't feel like himself. And, you know, he's such a competitor and when you want to do as well as, you know, as perfect as he wants to be all the time, um, it, it's a tough thing to go through that. So I think really, when you look at this, it's, it's that battle and being consistent and, um, you know, just kind of that fight that was at the end of that season. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it didn't work out for Montreal. They had some good stuff that they put in, um, though, you know, we weren't fully expecting um, and they executed well. Trevor Harris looked like, you know, old Trevor Harris, but the fight was still there all the time. And um, there's a lot of new pieces that are going to help this Ticats team, you know, kind of down the road. Yeah. And I mean, to that point, some of the younger guys, like, you, you look at the way that that special teams group and that that one's kind of the important part to look at because that's where the young Canadians are going to develop and become the guys we know. Well, what did you take away? You know, because it was tough le- losing a guy like Curtis Newton in that unit. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is a, as as good of a leader as they come. Uh, and when you don't have him out there on the field, it's noticeable. And and I think, you know, when we talk about injuries, as much as we talk about Braylon, as much as we talk about Dylan Wynn, Curtis Newton's right up there in terms of guys who were important this season who weren't out there. Um, so what did you take away from from that younger group? And, and what do you feel like 
is the potential for for some of the guys in, in that group. Yeah, you you hit it right on the head. There is like you know when you lose a guy like Dylan Wynn, it's very noticeable, right? Because you're like, wow, he makes a lot of plays on defense. When you lose a guy like Braylon Addison, thousand-yard receiver, makes a ton of plays. Curtis Newton is exactly right there with those guys. What you don't end up seeing is that what what he is or a type of guy that he is is you know that second coach. So Butler will be up there explaining things. Everybody's going to trust Butler. Yeah, absolutely. But then when it gets down to it, players always have, okay, how are we exactly going to do this? Butler, he gave us this this framework of how we're going to do it. Now we have to figure out how we're going to do it together specifically. That's where those leaders like Curtis Newton step in really nicely, right? Because they're able to take what Butler said, understand it, be able to change that up. So really what I ended up seeing was these young guys having to step up quick and get into that role, right? Like a Bailey Feltmate having to step up into getting that role, right? Sean Thomas Erlington and and honestly Felix Felix was was a, a fantastic addition yeah. to that special teams unit because he kind of had taken those reins and was like okay this is where we're gonna we're gonna win a lot of games um, and then I'll tell you what it's nice to have a guy like Lawrence Woods back there because yeah. I don't know what it is you know he's he just bounces off people that are trying to tackle him he just runs hard all that kind of stuff so um, it's there's a lot of ways to go for this this special teams unit but. It was uh, it was cool to see those young guys, at least that were you know first yeah. years when I was still playing, really step up and and be those leaders early on. Well, and to that point, I feel like you know there was there was a little bit of a passing of the torch last year with you and Curtis. So what what was it like for you to see this guy who you had played with for you know the previous few years take this role and and really succeed in it? Because it, it's tough yeah, to be well, a leader. It's it, and it is it, it is an honor to be unanimously named a captain, right? I mean, that's what he was, captain of special teams. W- w- what did you see in his development? Yeah, it was just um, honestly, some guys just take it because that's how they play, right? And for Curtis, he was one of those guys that you know when he was out there, he was like, "No, I need to understand what everybody's doing." So I'll explain to everybody what everybody's doing <laughs> so that I know what, what yeah. I need to do. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's what he did. And it was just one of these things that all of a sudden he started doing that and everyone started listening. So then you just keep doing it and keep doing it. And then next thing you know, all of a sudden everyone's like, okay, what next? You know what I mean? And yeah. he became that kind of guy. And I think, you know, down the road, when you look at a guy like Felix or, or Sean or a guy like Nick Cross, who, who yeah. the tie cats yeah. missed a lot, right? Yeah. Guys like that, I think, you know, the, one of them will just, elevate to that position again right that you know curtis noon was where it's all once you start saying things everyone's like yeah cool that sounds good what else yeah. right and then that's kind of how it goes uh jake burt i mean he was a big guy on special teams mm-hmm. to start the year they lost him uh yeah. I, you know as much as turnovers of the story and you know I, players coaches will never make excuses for injuries because injuries are a part of the game but that that i think is what we look back on this year on what could have been and you look at the amount of games lost by key guys like Curtis and Dylan and Braylon and Dane, you know, throughout the year battling injuries. Uh, it's it's going to be what what could have been. Uh, man, uh, I'm glad that I saved the best for last, and that's no offense to the rest of my guests, but very few analysts on the Ticats Audio Network actually, uh, you know, dressed in practice uh, this season. So uh, <laughs> you were the perfect guest to wrap up the season, man. Uh, thank you. Uh, now I hope your life calms down a little bit the next few weeks here. Yeah, it has already. So it's uh, chilling from here on out. <laughs> awesome. Thanks buddy. Have a great off season. Thanks Louie. Always good talking. 
My thanks to Mike Daly. Ticats, I was about to say former Ticats, but he finished the year with the team and uh, former Ticats audio network analyst for joining me. And uh, you heard there at the end, uh, I, I said he was my last guest of the year. Uh, that's not true because if you were with us off the top, uh, you heard that we're coming back next week. So uh, I hope you have a great weekend. I look forward to talking to you on Monday. Thanks for checking us out here on the Ticats audio network. I'm Louis Butko. Hoping you have a great day. Tycast today can be heard every weekday, and we would like to hear from you. Email us at gameday at tiecats.ca. Have a question or an opinion? We want to hear it. That's gameday at tiecats.ca. Subscribe to the Tiecats Audio Network on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.